Hey folks, thanks for joining us for another episode of Travel and Trivia, a podcast for curious travelers eager to embark on their next adventure. We've been experiencing some growth recently and want to say hey to all of our new listeners. We appreciate you and our trusty crew tuning in every week. Yes, Arizona is home to the Grand Canyon. Don't get me wrong, the Grand Canyon is a wonder of the world. It deserves all the hype but it can tend to overshadow or cut through a state that offers so much more. On today's episode, we won't be covering the Grand Canyon, but if that topic interests you, head on back to episode 2 for Grand Canyon Trivia. A reminder, there will be just over 30 seconds to answer each question, so if you're impatient like me, feel free to skip ahead. Without further ado, let's begin. Question 1 by most accounts, the state flag of Arizona is simple, consisting of four colors. The top half of the flag's alternating red and yellow stripes are meant to represent the flag of Spain during the Coronado expeditions. The bottom half shares the same blue color as the United States flag. Finally, in the middle of the flag lies a single star. What does this star represent? And the answer is, the copper-colored star identifies Arizona as the largest copper-producing state. Bet you didn't know that little factoid, did ya? Since 1910, Arizona has led the nation in copper production. Today, Arizona's copper accounts for nearly 68% of all copper produced in the United States. This booming industry produced 39,000 jobs for Arizonans in 2018 and $6.9 billion worth of raw minerals. Question 2. True or false? Arizona's unassuming and harsh desert landscapes have quietly hosted the largest big cat in North America. And the answer is true. Nope, we're not talking about mountain lions, although you can certainly find those roaming Arizona. The powerfully built feline we're interested in is the third largest big cat in the world, trailing only the lion and the tiger. The North American jaguar was once quite prevalent throughout the desert south. Sadly, the last known female in the United States was killed in 1963. So did the jaguar slip away into a quiet extinction? Not exactly. In recent years, jaguar sightings and photo evidence have shown males sporadically returning to southeastern Arizona. A celebrity jaguar known as El Jefe was recorded in Arizona as recently as 2015, but his trail dried up. No more pictures, no more videos. Many assume the worst. In 2020, researchers from the University of Arizona caught two distinct males on camera near the border, naming them El Bonito and Valerio. 
Just this past year, to the shock of many, the now 12-year-old El Jefe was spotted near Sonora, Mexico, some 120 miles from the border. Researchers suggest that this influx of cats is a sign of reclamation to the original territory, making it likely that more jaguars will call Arizona home in the years to come. Really get your thinking caps on for question three, our somewhat visual question of the week. I'm the largest of my kind that you'll find in the U.S., so big, in fact, that they put gigantic in my name. Well, my scientific name, anyway. Although I can reach 40 feet tall, it will take me over 100 years to get there. Along the way, I'll grow arms and make friends with many animals as I help them and they help me. One last hint and the king must go. Oh wait, that was it. Who am I? answer is the saguaro cactus, Carnegia gigantea. The saguaro is indeed the king of the cactus family and looms high over the surrounding desert. These giant green cacti don't even sprout arms until the ripe old age of 50 to 70. The characteristic pleated texture of the cactus serves as much function as form. These pleats will swell with water during large rain events serving as a reservoir during drought-stricken times. While some animals are known to eat the flesh, the most popular and well-known take up residence. Harrises, red-tailed hawks, and great-horned owls will nest and hunt from saguaros. As with the delicate balance of nature, it's all about give and take. Nectar-feeding bats, birds, and insects help during pollination each spring. If you'd like to see the mighty saguaro, head to Saguaro National Park near Tucson, Arizona. Question 4. A question for our music-loving listeners. But you'll have to bear with us. I'll read off the lyrics and you'll be tasked with naming the song and the artist. Good luck. Well, I'm standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, and such a fine sight to see. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed Ford slowing down to take a look at me. Answer is Take It Easy by the Eagles, originally released on May 1st, 1972. What if you really did want to stand on the corner in Winslow, Arizona? The town of Winslow is situated right on Route 66 and had its hustling heyday in the 70s. When I 40 was built and bypassed the downtown, visitation dropped drastically. In the 90s, the town was brainstorming ideas to revitalize downtown, and the idea was brought up to capitalize on the famous Eagle song. In 1999, Standing on the Corner Park was opened, including a sign and bronze statue of a man holding a guitar. 
In recent years, a statue of the Eagles singer Glenn Frey was also added to the park in remembrance of his career. If you're lucky and visit at the right time, you may just see a 1960 red flatbed Ford parked. Such a fine sight to see. Question 5. It's March 25th, and you've decided to take a vacation that will take you from the Grand Canyon to Monument Valley. You wake up early and leave the vast canyon behind at 7 a.m. You have a three and a half hour drive ahead of you and will not stop. What time will you arrive at Monument Valley? And the answer is, confusingly, 11.30 a.m. But that isn't the case all year. Most of Arizona does not observe daylight savings time, so when other members of the mountain time zone fall back or spring forward, much of Arizona remains constant. However, the Navajo Nation that spreads through much of the northeast corner of Arizona, including Monument Valley, elected to observe daylight savings time. So, from the second Sunday of March to the first Sunday of November, it will appear as though Arizona is split into two time zones. But, let's say you planned your trip for tomorrow, December 14th. The time would be the same in both places. While this whole thing can be a bit confusing, the moral of the story is, check the time when traveling through Arizona and make sure you budget enough time to lose or gain an hour during the spring, summer, and fall. Question 6. Although the Spanish arrived as early as 1539, Arizona would take its time on its journey to statehood. The state of Arizona would be the last admitted to the Union and the contiguous U.S. What state preceded it in statehood and what president signed Arizona's statehood bill? Was it A. Oklahoma and Theodore Roosevelt? B. Wyoming and Benjamin Harrison? C. Utah and Grover Cleveland? or D, New Mexico and William Howard Taft. And the answer is D, New Mexico and William Howard Taft. I find it ironic that New Mexico only beat out Arizona by 39 days, when both states' journeys to statehood were the longest. The land that would become Arizona wasn't formally attached to the United States until 1848 with the signing of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, which ended the Mexican-American War. It would take another two years before Arizona would even earn the name territory as politicians went back and forth during the Great Compromise while deciding if slavery should extend to new territories. In 1856, the Gadsden Purchase, which was Arizona, would separate from the New Mexico Territory. With that, Arizona as we know it began to take form. The territory would set idle as its population slowly grew before applying for statehood in 1902. 
The Senate scoffed at both Arizona and New Mexico, claiming that the sparsely populated areas cannot be admitted as individual states, but they were willing to compromise. If Arizona and New Mexico would merge, they could become a single state with Santa Fe serving as the capital. Native Arizonans didn't like the idea of their territory losing its name and history. In 1906, Arizona voted against merging with New Mexico. Finally, on Valentine's Day of 1912, Arizona got its wish and became the 48th United States. Come on, Claw. What an absolute realization I just had. If you tuned in last week, you know that I mentioned our podcast setup was janky at best. So take that idea of what you had in your head as the jankiest after we explained what the jankiest is, and then go ahead and put that setup precariously perched on your couch on a side table, and that is our podcast setup. However, one thing that I think has made this much more informal than usual is that I took the microphone off the stand, and it's a dangerously powerful feeling. Like, I can just be like... (laughs) Stop. I like it too because I'm curled up with a blanket on the couch right now. Mad comfy. We're just passing it back and forth. Usually I'll have to like edit my voice quieter, Chloe's voice louder because we're just dealing with this one microphone game right now. But anyway. Welcome to the seventh question stretch. Arizona edition, but not Grand Canyon edition. Again, I have nothing against the Grand Canyon. I love the Grand Canyon, but that's not what this episode was about. If you're interested in that topic, go ahead and check episode two. However, I will warn you, we were pretty rancid back in that day. Our, our audio quality, garbage. Um, just our overall personality and uh, comfort behind the microphone was uh, zero on a scale of one to 100. So you might actually like that. You might get a kick out of that. There's the most monotone voices you've ever heard. just like shaking in their boots the whole time. Right, Chloe? Yep. Yep. Thanks for that. That makes me feel really good going into this. I'm just being honest. I mean, that's all you can be. So Arizona, Chloe, we've spent a lot of time driving through Arizona, but not a lot of time like being in Arizona. And it's a big state foreshadowing for a later later question. Driving through Arizona um, was one of the big parts of our road trip right in the beginning. And the thing that we just could not get past since we're so used to being in the Midwest, just driving on the road, seeing a bunch of trees was you're in Arizona driving along and you could see for miles and there's like nothing. It was so weird. I was playing this. Oh, it was the weirdest thing ever coming from like every road that we've ever taken is lined with trees and lush and everything. And even our trips that we've done down South, it's even more so. Or some of that, some of that nasty uh, ivy. What's that stuff called? Ah, anyway, I can't remember it right now. But if it comes back to me later, I'm gonna scream it out. <laughs> do you see what's on the TV right now? I do. Oh, quick! Well, this is if Wendy's would promote us, um, I'd be willing to go ahead and, and <laughs> I'd be willing to go ahead and risk it all. So, Chloe and I, we're definitely not like fast foodies. However, like sometimes I'll pick Chloe up from work. This is getting a little bit like too much into personal life but i'll pick her up from work and she'll just be so hangry that we've got to get a snack and so we'll go down this road that they call hamburger hill because there's so many different fast food options on it and we normally we're good about not eating out very much but however lately we've decided to try out this little battle that's going on between the italian chicken sandwich fast food sandwiches and Burger King does a tremendous amount of promotions for their Italian chicken sandwich. It's like a crispy chicken with a little mozzarella 
cheese and uh, what's that sauce? Marinara. Marinara sauce on there. This is not other than uh, that. There's this is probably going on in Arizona. You're just going to have to stick with me for a second. So we go to the one. Uh, we try the Burger King one and we're less than pleased. I mean, it was very like school lunchy. Wouldn't you say, Chloe? Yes, I would agree with that. And just not like, definitely not like these pictures that we're seeing. Oh, of course it never is, right? But we would at least hope the flavor was there. So I don't know, some time goes by and we notice that Wendy's is promoting an Italian chicken sandwich on a garlic knot bun, no less. Well, much to our surprise, this was again, a late, late one afternoon, a hangry Chloe in the car had to do something. I said, hey, you want to pull through Wendy's? Uh, we'll try one of those. We'll split it, and then we'll get a uh, peppermint frosty. Seemed like a good like a good deal. She agreed. We got that thing, and I am telling you what. If I went to a legitimate restaurant, like get yourself a little gastro pub downtown, fancy napkins that aren't ones you throw away, that type of deal. If they brought that thing out cut in half with a little like, you know how they put the fork through it or whatever? <laughs> you give me one right now, Chloe. Tear it up live. <laughs> I tear it up live. I would. I think I used that joke in a previous pod, but that's okay. It's a good one. It is a legitimate, legitimately good. If you're into that, go ahead and try it. See, this is the difference between you and I with storytelling. I would have just said Wendy's is by far superior than Burger King. But if there's no reason, I mean, how can somebody trust you if you don't give a little <laughs> bit of backstory? It, then it's just an opinion. I'm, I'm starting to try and base it into fact a little bit. There's better things about it. The garlic knot bun. Anyway, Arizona. Back to what we were talking about where it's just so wide open. I was playing this game in our rental van of when Chloe was driving, I'd be on my phone and I'd go on Google Maps and you know how you can like measure off the distance, Chloe? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just add anything into this would be good. So you can measure off the distances and I'd be like, ooh, look at that. Look at that mountain over there, that kind of prominent peak over there. How far away do you think that is? She'd give a guess. In the beginning, I was very wrong. Like, oh, I don't know, like a mile. And it's like 20 miles away. And we're driving in this valley and we're not getting any closer to it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It was crazy because, like, you could see the people that lived out there, how they would just kind of have their houses. It would sort of sweep up the hill like there'd be houses in the bottom and then they'd be up the hill. But you don't have an ounce of like backyard privacy <laughs> that's one thing i was thinking about i'm like literally your neighbor could just be looking at you through binoculars from four miles away that's your neighbor i guess driving along the road and the desert we saw a bunch of these weird looking trees and we later found out that they were the joshua trees very uh very much a lorax vibe wouldn't you agree kind of like a dr Susie. odd looking things with like they got arms and they're all weird but Apparently, I don't know if this is true or not. Joshua, Joshua Tree National Park has a bunch of Joshua trees, obviously. But allegedly, that stretch of I-40 from like the Hoover Dam to Flagstaff, they got just as many. So if you're interested in like seeing them, being like, ooh, those are cool, check it out. And also on the road, there would be signs coming up on these small little towns. It'd be like last stop for like 100 miles. So like if you didn't have gas, you needed to get gas ASAP. That puts the size into perspective a little bit and like the desolate nature of the place in general. That's like something, I mean, I think we take for granted where we live, like, oh, you're not going to get gas in uh, this little town. Okay, we'll go to the next little town over and they've got a gas station. But no, those is like 
Uh, you're literally not going to see anything for a while. We were, I would say, more prepared than most for anything to happen because we were also ready to go hiking and all that. So we had water and snacks and all that. But if you are taking a trip like that, I mean, be a little bit more prepared than you might think you would need to be. Definitely in some other places. Ooh, that was a big hit. That's smoked. <laughs> Watching the uh, Panthers-Seahawks game right now. I can't really say I like one more than the other, but um, nice hit by whatever number that was. Geno Smith, just a dude that, has this turned into a sports podcast? He's been like a backup like his whole life, and then all of a sudden he's just balling out. Do you remember our first steps into Arizona, where that was at? I do. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll say you said steps, but really we kind of just like drove into it a little bit. Are you talking Hoover Dam? Hoover Dam is definitely a cool stop. I like the clocks because you got the different time zones there. But overrated as, in my opinion, we might edit that out. We might keep that. One cool place we stopped at was Page, Arizona. It was a lot bigger than I was expecting. We stopped at a cool little breakfast place that had some killer omelets. Yeah, that was quite the oasis. That place, uh, shoot, where's my phone? I looked it up. Dang it. I was more prepared for this than it might appear at this moment. I wanted to give a good shout out. And I just felt, I mean, this place felt like home, even though, oh gosh, I was not looking that up. I was looking up Flagstaff for some reason. Where the heck is Paige? I'll find it in a moment. I was just going to say, like, it's got that hometown vibe that regardless of if you're in a desert, strange environment and don't feel like you fit in or not, it has that, like, dinery. It could be down the street. And it is the Ranch House Grill. Fine Southwestern American cuisine. With that green salsa or green chili or whatever that they, like, slap on everything. I'm a big fan. It's kind of spicy, though. We only really traveled through the northern part of Arizona. Um, and we've mentioned that it's a pretty big state. So we definitely want to go back and explore different areas. We've heard Sedona is a very cool place to spend some time. Yes, that's just to piggyback off of that, Chloe, I agree with you 100%. There's about three quarters of that state that we've never seen and is still incredibly cool and definitely worth another visit. So after our visit this May, perhaps it will be our next year trip. Did we drop what next, what this upcoming year's trip is yet? Should we, nope. should we keep it a secret? <laughs> <laughs> We'll probably talk about one of them. All right, it'll be a secret from now, but let's give you a couple of hints. Um, it's in a spot where you can go to three national parks relatively easily, and we're going in May, and it will be decent weather. Is that fair? I don't know. And the name of the state was mentioned in this podcast. Ooh. Was it? Yeah, I read it. When? Did it happen yet in real life of time? will be mentioned in this podcast. Oh, time is relative in the podcasting world, especially. And, and now, back, back to, to the, the trivia. trivia. Question seven. How many states have official state neckwear? I can't think of any others. What is the name of the traditional leather cord and decorative metal clip found around the necks of many throughout the state and, of course, the shelves of every gift shop?
And the answer is the bolo tie. Although some fanciful origin stories have surfaced over the years, the story I'm about to tell you is the most widely accepted. In 1949, Victor Cedarstaff, an Arizona resident, was out riding on horseback when a sudden gust of wind blew his hat clean off. Frustrated, he collected his hat and found that the band had detached. Rather than trying to fix it on the spot, he put his hat back on and slipped the band around his neck. After a while, a friend remarked, Nice tie, Vic! This sparked an idea in Vic and he went to work designing something never before seen in the field. He took braided leather, trimmed the ends with silver balls, and fastened a small silver slide adorned with turquoise. Thus, the bolo tie was born. Question 8. True or false? Arizona is the sixth largest state in the U.S. In total, all six New England states, Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Vermont, plus the state of Pennsylvania, would fit in its borders. And the answer is true. This fact really surprised me, but it puts into perspective just how big Arizona is at 113,998 square miles. Arizona trails only Alaska, Texas, California, Montana, and New Mexico in total area and makes up about 3% of the U.S. landmass. Question 9. A question for our geography buffs. Which Arizona county is the longest in the United States, spanning 211 miles from the Utah border south to Alpine, Arizona? A. Apache County B. Navajo County C. Mojave County or D. Coconino County And the answer is A. Apache County. Although every county listed is huge by Midwestern standards, to put it in perspective, 211 miles would take you from the city of Detroit all the way down to Cincinnati, Ohio. That stretch alone would cover 14 Midwestern counties. Impressive. Question 10. During the afternoon of October 26, 1881, the most legendary shootout in Wild West history went down in Tombstone, Arizona. The OK Corral played host to a showdown between the Clanton McClary gang and this Western legend. Was it A. Billy the Kid, B. Wyatt Earp, C. Butch Cassidy, or D. Jesse James?
And the answer is B. Wyatt Earp, along with his brothers Morgan and Virgil, and of course with the help of Doc Holliday. While this gunfight is made out to be one of the shootinest, tootinest gunfights in the West, in all reality, the shootout at the OK Corral lasted about 30 seconds, or about 0.4% of the total length of the feature film Tombstone. In the event of a tie, or if you're looking to earn a little extra credit, here's today's bonus question. Good luck if you're not a foodie. According to a study and publication by MASH, a website for food lovers, Arizona's most famous food is the chimichanga. Where was this Arizona staple first invented? Answer is Tucson. While no one is sure exactly who was the first person to throw a burrito into the fryer, we can thank them for the creation of a state icon and a delicious, crispy, crunchy take on traditional Mexican favorites. Now, the ultimate question is should you pair it with red or green salsa? All told, I thought this was a pretty tough round this week, and that was confirmed by the Chloe Hardness test where she did just well enough for us to push this episode out. For somebody who's only been to the state once, I say she did great. Alright folks, that brings us to the end of another episode of Travel and Trivia. I hope you enjoyed testing your knowledge and maybe even pick some up along the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to leave us a review. That would be much appreciated. If you would like to learn more about the topics discussed in today's episode, check the references linked in the show notes. If you haven't already, give us a follow and share with your traveling friends. And feel free to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. Be sure to join us next week for a special winter trivia. As always, we at Travel Down Wander wish you well on your next adventure. You'll only ever regret the trips you don't take. <laughs> <laughs>